What up, guys? Welcome to the New American Dream Podcast. I'm your host, George Gibson. All right, today we have a, a great show. I mean, this is one for the books right here. But before we get into the show, I just want to let you guys know I finally closed the deal. I'm telling you, this has been a two-month-long process, and the lenders gave us pure H-E-L-L. The uh, inspection was not too bad, but it was just a really uh, difficult closing. But guess what? I got it done. We closed last Friday, and I'm on to the next deal. But what I learned from this deal is no matter what the lender or the other agent or seller or buyer asking for, get it done. If they need another bank statement and you gave them two already, don't ask why. Just go get it because it's going to make the whole process get done faster. You got bumps in the road. You just have to go get it done. But today's show, we have a, a person on this, um, that's been in real estate for over 35 years. So just imagine all the history and the gems you are finna learn right now. So sit back and relax and get your notepad out because this is one for the books. Hey, welcome to the show. Well, I'm glad to be here, George. All righty. We got it this time. All right. Yes, sir. Today we have Rick, Mr. Rick Jalmar. And Mr. Rick, I think you would be um, the first guest with in the longest doing real estate. Well, that, hey, you know what? I'd rather be here with you than in the best jail in town. <laughs> All right. So um, give the people like a 60-second of who you are and what you currently do right now. Okay. Well, I'm in the real estate construction business, but we don't build anymore. We quit building in 2015. We're in the rental business and we flip houses. We've been full time for 35 years this month. Wow. It's my 35 year anniversary. I, I went in business for myself. I just turned 29 years old. I was 64 last month. Wow. So you've been in the real estate been 35 years. That's older Four than time. Me. That's older than me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. All right. So all right. we got a lot of history to cover now. So all right, let's start from the beginning. Um, where was you raised up and how was you raised? Okay. Well, I was born here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, quick rundown on everything. My father was a War II veteran that had a complete mental breakdown, not quite 10 years. It was just a little over 10 years after the war. I was three years old. So when he got sick, you know, back in those days, the mamas didn't work. They were housewives. And my mom didn't even work, didn't have a driver's license. And anyway, when dad got sick, they lost their house, the car. We were homeless. Uh, my, I was three years old. My, my mama lived with one of her sisters, and my brother lived with another sister for about nine months to a year till she could get on her feet. And, buddy, she worked to make sure we never was in that position again. She just worked night and day. So she raised wow. us up to work. Wow. That's that's crazy. All right. So, when you, all right, that was at three years old. So when you got in middle school, high school, was your dad around then? He, when I was 15 years old, he was he was in the VA hospital pretty much till I was 15 years old, and then he was an outpatient, get to come home on weekends and stuff like that. He never was well again, so he was more like a big brother. I kind of grew it. up, you know, without a dad type situation. Gotcha. So, so um, in your upbringing, would you, would you say you was on the middle class or lower than the middle class 
um, growing up? I, I, we were lower middle class. We were uh, we we were poor. <laughs> gotcha. We 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 yeah yeah. I'd get out of school when I was in junior high. They let me out of school early, like what they call a hardship case, and I'd work with to work at a bottling company when I was fourteen. But the summer before that. I had uncle got me a job with the city of Northport working on a garbage truck in 1969. Right. So at that age, like at um, say high school, junior high school, your your vision of your life, was it this or did you have a different like idea in your mind? Like if somebody was to ask you, what would you be when you got older? What was your vision at that time? Well, you know, one thing that kind of kept me going, I, I used to play music and I still play music some. So I was learning music. And that was kind of my escape because we worked during the day, you know, in the summer and the evenings, but I could come and play music. And so that helped me. But to, but to answer your question, my between my 11th and 12th grade year of high school, I worked on my first real construction work. I went to work with a girl I went to school with, dad, that was a contractor. Right. And found what I loved. I knew I always loved being around any of the neighbors in my neighborhood that were working on something, boy, I'd be down there in the way. But after <laughs> I worked that summer, I said, yeah, I knew what I want to do the rest of my life. So you, you, uh, that's one of the, um, you discovered your, your, your passion at an early age, I would say. I did. I did. I was, uh, like I said, the summer between the 11th and 12th grade. And, uh, of course, you know, I got married young, uh, like telling you, I played music and I was in my wife's brother's band. Right. And I met her. She didn't know I was still in high school. She's not quite two years older than me. Right. She was in college and I'm still in high school. So we fell in love and all that stuff. So she had to wait on me to get out of high school so we could get married. But we didn't <laughs> married. we've been married 46 years this past month. So. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. I seen I seen that celebrating. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Wow, that's crazy. All right, so you graduate high school. Do you continue to work with the construction company? or you I did. I, what I did, uh, right when I actually I went to work at a cabinet shop about a month before I graduated from high school. He was paying me $1.60 an hour. That was minimum wage, and he gave me a nickel raise because I was getting married. <laughs> but I knew I couldn't get by on that. I had been fortunate enough working all my life and saved some money. I'd paid down on a piece of land. Got owner financing on the land, paid down a mobile home, all that stuff. So we had a place to live. But I got into the union labor. I was a labor on a union job. Right. And I found out about the carpenter apprentice because that's what I want to be was a carpenter. So I asked my foreman, I said, how do you get in this carpenter apprentice? He said, well, you just go down there and ask them. Well, I didn't know no better. Yeah. I go down and they said, no, it don't work like that. And they wouldn't let me take the test. So I go back and I tell the foreman, I said, look, they won't let me take the test. He said, you just worry them. So that's like saying sick them to Fido, man. For every day, for 30 days, I went down. I said, when are you going to let me take that test? And he finally did. I got in to be a carpenter apprentice. Right. Went on with that. Started doing work on the side where I worked with other people. So would you say, um, all right, working at, at that job, that allowed you to save up enough money to purchase? Well, you say you bought your first trailer. Um, working that job, did it allow you to save up enough money to start investing in other properties or not yet? No, not yet. I was actually 21 when I bought my first house. Right. My wife and I had been married, uh, you know, 
was at 18, you know, three years there, you know, what it was. I found a house. Just tell me, it was 100000 right? What, the house? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> this was 1976. Right. I, I borrowed, uh, I bought the house and borrowed a second mortgage on it. It was one that we moved in and fixed it up, got it ready, flipped it, took the money we made on it. The man I was paying the second mortgage to liked making that money, so he did it again. So we fixed up another one while we lived in it and sold it. So by the third house, which was approximately about three years, we were able to pay off the second mortgage, just had the one mortgage, paid down on the third house, had a bigger house. And had money left over, and I said, "This is gonna work out right here." Wow! And, so, uh, hey, we thought we just invented this stuff. You um, buy the house, <laughs> move in, and move out to the next one. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's like that bird method. I did a little thing the other day on on Instagram. I said, "They talking about like this something new." I said, "I've been doing it for thirty five years." You know where you, you you know you buy it, fix it up, rent it, repeat that you know but anyway yeah. i'll let you ask the question <laughs> no that no that's a that's a good strategy um because a lot of um like you said your, a lot of your followers are between the ages 24 and 34 and honestly we thinking this method is like the birth strategy i i thought we got smart and just discovered this <laughs> thing you know <laughs> well you know it's like i tell folks there's nothing new about real estate you right. either own your house or own where you live or you rent. I tell folks only so many people can live under the bridge. You're going to rent or you're going to buy. But what does change in real estate is financing. You've got to learn financing. Definitely. But that being said, it's just, uh, you, you know, it, it doesn't change. That, that part doesn't change. And uh, But buying one and fixing it up and, renting it and it's just uh so so you say all right the first one you bought you fixed it up living it and it's, you kept it as a renter and then move into the second one no no I, I lived in it right and then i sold it and bought another one. Oh, you sold now, them okay yeah at this time i'm just kind of i didn't get my first rental house to 1980 which would have been you know this is 1978 so it's about you know uh four years later before i actually bought a rental Okay. But I, t I can tell you about the first rental I bought. Yes. At that time, man, I had like a 1975 Ford Ranger XLT truck. I mean, it was clean. It was a nice truck. But I found a house that a guy was wanting to sell for a really good deal. Right. And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to get this house? I don't have any extra money at this time. But I went to my credit union. They said they had financed it. And I told them the price and they were going to give me 100% financing. But I didn't have any money for the closing costs or to fix it up. So I sell my truck because I got equity. So I go down to a car lot. I find a 1969 Army Green station wagon. And the reason I bought it, the tailgate would fold down like a truck. Because, oh. you know, at this time, I'm doing work for other people after I get off my regular job, remodeling and maintenance or whatever. So this car i'm buying had a six hundred dollar loan but i mean uh, it was six hundred dollars but it have a twelve hundred dollar loan value right. so i borrowed twelve hundred dollars and only had to pay six to the car lot so i had six hundred dollars there got the house and that got me started remodeling the house and started renting it wow uh, 
and that's uh, you know credit it, unions are a good source when you're starting out if you're a member of a credit union uh, trying to buy most credit unions will do four or five rental houses. Right. Oh, that that was a lot of good information. But the the main key I got from that is, um, when you got stuck in a situation like you said, you didn't have the money to pay the closing costs, and most people or the average person would say. Well, I can't buy it, but you have to figure out a way to make it happen, it seemed like. Well, it. well what I knew, George, Yes, they're not going to quit making trucks, but this was a deal on the house. I got that house for $10,000. It was probably worth close to twenty when I bought it. But yeah. I went through a divorce. He just wanted to get rid of it. I'm thinking, man, I got to figure out how to get this house. It's all about getting creative. Definitely. And, um, what was your method of finding deals or are, still is finding deals? What's your best method? Do you look on the MLS or how you find it? Well, I do. It's, it's a lot of different ways. You know, fast forwarded a few years. I started, uh, I went to work at the university of Alabama in maintenance. I worked out there for 10 years in housing. Now, so I'm not, a, I never went to college. I mean, I'm strictly a, you know, blue collar worker. Right. I, I worked in maintenance and would do work on the side, you know, like I said, remodeling and whatever at night. I mean, I went years. I'd only sleep four to six hours. I only sleep six hours a night now because you get so used to it. But my method of finding houses, uh, move forward. I'm fooling with rentals and flipping houses. And so I get my real estate license, 1983. Only reason I got them, I'm thinking this might help me find more deals. So I sold part-time for a year. I quit two jobs in 1984, a job I'd been on 10 years and a real estate job selling part-time I'd been on a year and went to work with another guy. And I started building my, I'm a home builder too. I built my first house selling for him, but I built my first house for me because in Alabama, you've got to sell for two years full-time if you don't have a college degree before you can get your broker license. Right. And I got my broker. I've never considered myself a real estate person, even though I have been and owned a fourth of a co-ed banker franchise with 27 agents. And I was the broker. I'm an investor. I'm a builder and investor. But to answer your question, I, I, I go down one road here. I might have to get on another one. Right. You find there's no one set way of finding your houses, you know, People think you can't find something that's listed with MLS, but you can. If you, you, I tell everybody, I, I had a young man call me, he's 22 years old, uh, that I was mentoring uh, just this week. I, I do this. Some people call me and I'll talk to them. I learned how to Skype this past week. And right. We had an interview. Anyway, he's 22 years old. He's out of Connecticut. And I don't know anything about the market in Connecticut, but real estate's real estate. Right. I told him, first, you got to figure out what price range house you want. Now, I like the middle class to the lower uh, middle class because I like the working man. They're going to be here. Right. If you buy high-dollar real estate and the economy goes south, those those people's life is going to change and their circumstances. But the working man's going to still be working. Right. He's still going to be paying his rent. But with all that being said, I told this young man, like I tell everybody, You've got to learn your market. It, it, you know, you don't get in a car and start driving the first time you get behind the wheel. You study, you know, you get your permit, you learn about everything. We're the same way with real estate. You've got to learn your market. You've got to learn what houses rent for. If you don't know 
what things are selling for, you don't know if it's a good deal or not. Right. Even if you have no money, but you want to start learning real estate, study your market. When a house sells, you see a house come up for sale when it sells, try to find out what it sold for. Start learning it. That way you'll know a deal. Because I tell folks a deal doesn't have a big sign on saying it's a deal. You've got to learn to recognize it's a deal. But you find them through MLSs, foreclosures. You ride through a neighborhood and there's grass grown up and it looks like it's not being kept. It could be a rental house that somebody owns, but they might be tired of being in the rental business. Right. You know, you might approach them and say, hey, would you want to sell this? And you might get them to owner finance it. I mean, there's so many methods that can work. Right. I mean, I could talk all night just on different methods. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, getting houses. So did you, um like, I understand you was, you was in the real estate game, but did you have, like, a mentor or a family member that helped you guide you, or you would just make mistakes and keep going? Just make mistakes and go on. When I, I've got a man that I met that was my attorney for several years that probably helped me a lot as far as some business things. And let me see, he was 57 when I first met him. He's 83 today. He's, he's not in good health. And right. he's last of what I would call my mentors. Uh, but most of them were, uh, I had a couple of attorneys like that that I did business with. And so you spending money with them and they're telling you things because the better you do, the more money you're going to spend with them. Definitely. But, but uh, it's all about commerce anyway. You know, business generates business. Yeah. You, know, you, you go in business, you want, if you're in the real estate construction business or the rental business flipping, you want a good accountant, you want a good attorney. Good. And I always tell people, those two are right there, a good source of finding leads because Attorneys know when somebody's getting divorced or dies and they're going to have to sell something. You let them know what you're doing. You stay in contact with them. Accountants, same way. Somebody fixing to sell something, retire, they're going to check the tax consequences. There's just so many ways. But I've never, I, I've always, you know, building and buying rentals has been my main game, even though I've had real estate broker license. I'm, I've been a broker since 1986. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was having a conversation with my broker today because I'm a, I'm a licensed real estate okay. and we it was a house for sale, right? They wanted eighty thousand dollars for it. I'm, I showed it to two investors. Both investors they came at like sixty and fifty. Well, the broker told me he got over asking price, so I'm like, wow. He said because the house is on a double yeah. lot, so yeah. the guy was like, I'm gonna keep the house on the lot and I'm gonna sell the lot next to it, and I was like. I don't know why nobody thought of that because you don't really need two lots. You could, oh, yeah. you, know, you could sell the other lot and get some money did, back. But it was just being created many times. Buy a house with extra lot, remodel the house and sell it and build on the lot. I mean, it's just, you know, the problem. I ain't gonna say it's a problem. It's an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. We're in the best market right. that I've ever seen since I've been in. Like I said, I've been full time in it thirty five years. But like all things, the cycle will change. When I first started doing Instagram and, and sharing things like I'm doing, you know, I'm just doing it for fun. I'm not trying to tell everybody. I'm not trying to sell nothing. If they don't like what I got to say, don't listen. But undoubtedly, right. they, they do because my main following group are between 24 and 35. So I'm thinking that's pretty right. good for a 64-year-old man got folks listening to him. 
And I mean, I like it. I mean, it's like saying sick of the Fido, man. I, I enjoy talking about it. But what it does, it yeah. makes me think about things I hadn't really thought about in years. Because you get so used to doing it every day. And I like the excitement they have because, <clears throat> excuse me, I get excited also, you know. But I, I love his presence. Right. I still love it. I get up and go to work every day. I, I, I do it because I want to do it, you know. But this right. market is so it, good. But it's not going to always be like this. But I went and looked from the time I come out of high school, 1973. We had a gas embargo with recession. And I counted how many recessions there's been. But you know what? Right. Even through the Great Recession, and if, you know, people don't understand, if you was in the real estate and construction business, as far as real estate sales and building, you don't realize how bad that recession was. But you know one thing? It didn't hurt me at all with my rental business, and that's what kept us afloat. And, and like, are you? It, everybody got hit by that um, recession in 2007. What made your renters different from every other American? I do the middle class to lower middle class. I do a lot of Section 8. And even with the government shut down the other day for a while, and Section 8 checks kept on coming. Right. So, okay. So you... So you saying basically the recession didn't make you have to lower your no, rent? No, no, uh-uh. I was, and another thing, you know, there were a lot of deals then, but the banks wouldn't loan money. But I got hooked up with an individual that his wife had inherited some money, and he would finance something for me. I'd pay him 2% origination, no appraisal, nothing. He'd drive by and look at the property and say, yeah, I'll do it. I was paying him 7 percent interest, which is higher, but hey, I was able to buy property when people couldn't. So I bought some deals that I was able to sell later when the bank started loaning money that I wouldn't have had. You know what I'm saying? So you, you've got to work it. And also, I had a bunch of lots. I, like I said, I was a builder. I'd bought a whole phase of a subdivision, a million four worth of lots. And the banks quit wow. loaning money to build with. Well, you know what I did, man? I quit listening to national news. I didn't worry about nothing. I, you know, I kept my nose to the grind and I'm a big believer. I'm a Christian and I believe in the good Lord taking care of me if I do my part. And I quit listening to that national news because I knew what I had to do. I put a job right. ahead of me and I wasn't letting them go and get negative and get in my head negative. Yeah. Damn. So, Oh man, that's that's crazy because a lot of people would have just sold uh, and took a big loss in that situation. You just got to hang in there, man. It's uh, it got like the wild west. Banks went crazy. I, I man, I could do. I could talk for a while on that. That's another whole <laughs> episode. <laughs> all right, so all right for people that are looking to purchase rental properties, just not all of them, but what's some like the main uh, requirements for you to? say hey that's a good renter i buy okay. what's some of your things well when are you talking about the house physical yes the uh well you say the neighborhood you like the working class neighborhood i'm sorry my phone rang with i took it off the... <laughs> are you okay. good but you say the, the work you i know you said you like the working class neighborhood but like far as like the okay return, return. Bit, okay i don't buy nothing that's not a deal it's got to be a deal if I buy it or I don't fool with it. Cause you, you know, there's so many things, you know, if you don't get a deal on it, 
you know, well, let me phrase it like this. If you buy right, you made your money up front and everything else is gravy on in because you, you know, you bought right. You, uh, you've got a house and then it's easier when you go to the bank, you know, to get financing. They see, you know, and I got a system. I tell you, I do that too, but you've got to buy right. You cannot pay retail. And a lot of times people will tell you, Oh, this is a deal. Well, you got to look at the numbers, you know, you got to look at fixing it up, remodeling it, what you're paying for it, what you can rent it for. And what I do is I don't like to pay over about seventy five to $85,000 for a house. If I'm going to turn around and fix it up and rent it for the numbers to work in right. my town, I'm in a university town. So there's a lot of student rental. So I don't do right. student. I have did some, but it's not my thing. Like I said, I worked in maintenance. 10 years in housing dealing with students and they can tear an anvil <laughs> up. You know, it's just not my thing. I yeah. like they live in what I do. A lot of people don't want to be involved in, but they don't really understand it. I mean, people hear section eight and they think, you know, slums or, you know, war zones. No, this is the lady that's got two kids that's working hard. Maybe she only works at McDonald's or Walmart and, and the section eight, a helper, with her payment, good people, hardworking people, right. just like anybody else if they're on their own. And my heart goes out to them, so I do my part to help them, but it's good for me too. I like Section 8. It's a, it's a misconception. They they assume because it's in that neighborhood that it's going to be drugs or crime going on, when in reality, it could be an old lady who just, like you said, worked in 95 for it. a long time. And it's not even just the neighborhood. People think when they hear Section 8, I've got houses that if I ran by and you saw, you said, that's Section 8. And I'd say, yeah. You know, because the way the Section 8 certificate works, you know, they issue that certificate to that person and they can go rent a house anywhere if it meets the criteria of the Section 8. It doesn't matter, you know. Right. It doesn't, they go by bedrooms. It could be a 2,000 square foot house or 1,000, but if it's a three bedroom, it's going to pay the same based on that person's income. Right. And that's another whole thing for another section. But Section 8 is great because you get sometimes okay. the government to pay all the rent, part of the rent. And, like, if I get somebody's kind of in a bind and they come to me and say, look, I'm, you know, I let a lot of mine pay, my tenants pay part of the rent by the tent and the other half by the end right. of the month because I'm getting a bulk of my money from Section 8. So I'm helping them. Section 8. And it helps me too. And I've got tenants that's been with me anywhere from two years to 12 years. Well, I always wow. set my houses up on 15 year financing. So you do the math. Well, somebody's been with you 12 years, they about bought that house for you. So if you send your finance, I mean, your properties up on 15 year mortgages, um, the cash flow, say I had, I say I had, uh, Mr. Rick, I got a house for sale. The It rents for $1,200. And if you get a mortgage, it'll be a thousand dollars. That means you're making $200 in the middle. Would you call that a good deal? I stay away from that. That's uh, you know, I give you a good example. I had a lady that used to buy some lots from it, built houses and she quit building after the recession and she reactivated a real estate license and she was selling. She says, I'm thinking about getting right. into the rental business. I said, well, it's a great business, you know? So she was telling me about a house that she could buy for $48,000 it was going to need about mm, $15,000, $20,000 worth of work. 
she told me where it was. Won't know what I thought about the neighborhood. I said, well, I got houses all around it. You don't buy it, I'll take it. Because it was one of these going to be an right. inside deal that uh, somebody there in her company that she sells for had it and they told her about it. But then she went to ask right. me about another one in a neighborhood that's kind of like the house you just said. That I said, and I told her, okay, this house was like, say you got it, it was probably $149,000 neighborhood. But say you get that house, the perfect storm, you get it for 129 to 25,000, 125,000. Right. Say you don't have to put no money right. down. You don't have to do no repairs. You don't have to do nothing. You get 100% financing. You figured a payment on that house for 15 years, it was like a thousand something a month, not counting taxes and insurance, right. just principal and interest. Well, the house would only rent for about 11 to 1200. So I told her, here, you're going to lose money basically every month just to have a house in that neighborhood. Or would you rather have this house that you're going to have about 65,000 and uh, 55 to 65 and you're going to make 300 a month now right you know yeah it, that makes sense but it sounds easier because you don't have to fix it up and it look better when you ride by and you tell your friends and family oh i own that that's house. right yeah you know? and it might appreciate <laughs> more in the long run but you give me a good cash cow because i ain't planning on selling it no way i'd rather have good cash right. i give you a good example i bought a house the other day it, it was a foreclosure I looked right. at the courthouse reports. The last mortgage on it was in 2006, was for $74,000. They lost this house. The people owed like 41, 42 on it when they lost it. It was a bank out of Atlanta, Georgia, had it for 39000 I went and looked at it. It's a little 925 square foot, three bedroom, one bath brick house. Needed right. cot, nothing structure, no roof, just a little bit. It had a little bit of work done structure in the floor but not much it wasn't bad to fix right. it it probably scared some people away but i'm getting too detailed i'm sorry but anyway the little old house was it was i owned the house up the street so i knew i could rent it for what i rent mine for so i'm looking at this right. house i tell them okay and i was in a position that i could pay cash but there's times i couldn't but i got this guy that i used that i could have went to or anybody's got money wants to make some money on the money you know but anyway, I went Definitely. to him. I said, look, I'll give you $29,000. All you got to do is give me a deed, title insurance, and prorate the property taxes. That's the way I buy them. I don't ask for a bunch of repairs or nothing. I find you make it easier on the person selling it, like the banks or it's a foreclosure. They're in the business of loaning money, not selling houses. When you say you went and talked to him, who were you well, talking no, to? I, let me back up. I, it was listed with another real estate company. When I said right. when I went and talked to that realtor, you know, she's presenting a contract. I didn't literally talk to the bank in Georgia. Now, I have did stuff okay, like okay. that. But this one, I did. Yeah. And, and another thing, even though I'm a real estate broker, I didn't ask for none of the commission on this deal because it ain't no money. I wanted the house. But I told him right. I'd give him $29,000. Give me a deed, mortgage insurance, prorate property taxes. They took it. So I buy the house for $10,000. I mean, $29,000. I put $10,000 repairing it. So now I got a house that's $39,000. You do the math, the payments are probably $300 and something dollars. 
I leased that house. The ladies moved in the first of the next month for $775 a month. Section wow. 8. They're going to be paying every penny of her rent. And wait, so these Section 8 properties, do you have to fix the property up really nice? Yeah, I mean, you. it has to be. They have their guidelines. I mean, uh, you don't have to do it like you were selling it, but it's nothing right. like, I, of course, I'm not no slum lower than I keep. It's like I tell my son, we keep our properties up because that's for the future. You know, right. if you don't keep your houses right. up, you just and take your money out now, you're not going to be in the business. you got to keep your houses up. But, no, I mean, they have guidelines. You, you know, you're going to need to have central heat and air or some kind of, they don't let you have like old space heaters like a lot of people used to use, you know, stuff right. like that. They have some things. They come out and inspect the house and then they pass it. You don't know where the person bring you their paperwork. You fill it out. Section eight, they set up a time to come inspect the house. And usually about twice a year, they'll, they'll come re-inspect it in case there's anything. They just want to be sure you're keeping it up. But hey, it, they, I, I like that. I went down to this Section 8 office probably about a year ago. I just, I don't know, I popped in there. But they said the list of tenants, people oh, looking for Section 8 houses were so long. They didn't have oh, enough yeah. houses, you know, to, to set everybody well, it's up. it's like here in my town in Tuscaloosa, there's about a three-year waiting list. Wow. So, And That's I know great. guys here yeah. in town that quit using, dealing with Section 8 because they didn't like, well, they're hard to deal with. Or they make you do this. I tell my son, I say, I have a son who's 37, works with me. He's been my partner for 12 years, and he's graduated high school in 2000. So he's worked, you know, full time with us since he's, you know, for 19 years now. Jacob Jarman's his name. But I tell him, that's right. just more for us. Let him quit doing with it. We love Section 8. I've been doing Section 8 close to 30 years. However long we've been doing Section 8, I've been doing it. So your son is a real estate nope, agent? No, he doesn't have his real estate license. He's a home builder also. He has his uh, building license. He He's state licensed through the state of Alabama. He went to a trade school, got his, uh, mainly went to that, keep him on the insurance first couple of years. He's got his carpenter certificate. But no, we, we right. I only have one agent now that she handles my stuff. Uh, that I, right. you know, we she lists and sell houses. But back when I was building a lot, she didn't do anything but the houses I, I was building. But like I said, we quit building in 2015, and I'm letting my son learn the rental business better, you know, because he knew the right. construction end, and I want him, you know, know. And we flip, you know, we we flip 10 to 12 houses a year. Wow. You you got a lot going on, Mr. Well, we love it, man. We, we run 125 <laughs> rental houses. Uh, got some duplexes and a couple commercial buildings, so. We stay busy. Right. Okay. Do you have a property management to manage it? We do it ourselves. Uh, I've always managed my own. I say me. I have somebody works in my office. It's my bookkeeper and helps with the day-to-day of it. And then I approve all uh, leases still, you know. So we have a full-time maintenance man. Another guy that you might as well say full-time. He's a sub, but I've kept him busy for the last five years. And then I got a couple of retired painters that work to help me. So we do all of our own maintenance and we do our own managing. And uh, back when I was building a lot, see, it was like it is right now. You couldn't hire any help. Everybody was so busy. 
So we'd run a 16-man crew. We did our own framing, trimming, painting, vinyl siding. You know, we did all that we could do. And we just, yeah. and it's like I tell folks, in 35 years, there's been times we remodeled more than we built. You do whatever you got to do to keep making a living at this business. So. And that, that's what, like, today's market, well, I'm in Florida, right. right? And the, uh, everybody, you know, they put in a lot of these commercials, oh, get rich quick, buy real estate. So a lot of people are trying to do these fix and flips. And I had a guy call me the other day, he's like, George, I got to get 187 out of it. You can do whatever you got to do. It's this is a three bedroom, I think, uh, two bath, but it's only eleven hundred square feet. I'm like, man, it's hard to sell a eleven hundred square feet house for, uh, one eighty seven, you right. know. But he and fixed and flip it where he he got to get his money out. So it's like people are flipping for five thousand dollars. And it got so, like at one time a building back when uh, before the recession when they thought everybody needed to own a house, and they, then the banks was making sure they did. I remember selling a house. One, in fact, we was talking about a while ago about a house and a lot. I bought a foreclosure. Right. I had a house and a lot. I remodeled the house and I sold the house to the guy. I think I bought it for thirty nine thousand. I kept a lot. Remodeled the house. Sold it to him for like sixty three. You know, I tell you, you know, I probably made twenty grand on it. The deal. The wow. guy had a first, second, and a third mortgage on a sixty something thousand dollar house. I mean, his transmission yeah. went out. He was going to lose that house, and he did lose it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, down the road, a couple of years, you cannot do that. But it, that's what probably yeah. brought the recession on. People buying houses that really didn't need to be buying a house. I mean, I want everybody to have a house, but you know, everybody ain't going right. to buy. It. Some people going to rent, and I like them to rent. And, and that was my next question: on How do you? Because when you was building and renting, I understand once you got probably going, it's easy. But at the beginning, as far as maintaining your kids and your wife and just your personal life, and then you got the other money going to investing, how did you balance, you know, the investing? Okay, we need this a little right. bit. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you how we did this. It's been a family thing from day one. I told you my wife and I, we first got married, we'd fix the houses up together. You know, we'd go at night and I'd be painting them, whatever, and she'd be doing what she could do, and we'd fix them up, you know, move in them, sell them. Then when we got to where we didn't have to do that, when the kids come along, of course, she, she'd have the kids. I'd leave out early, come in late, but she would bring the kids right. to the job site. And maybe if I was building a new house, we'd pick up, they'd, we'd get scrap lumber and have a weenie roast. And my kids were raised, <laughs> you know, in around it i mean it was just normal to them uh you just you know always i raised both of my kids i have a daughter also she's a nurse manager she's i was real proud of her she uh not i'm proud of my son too but he's like me we didn't go to college or nothing but i'm not saying you had to to this day and time i think you just you know, if you're going to be a brain surgeon, you probably need to go to college. But, you know, if you're going go to college, <laughs> you, you just want to get rich and uh, do real estate and flip house, whatever. You, you don't have to spend all that money. But anyway, but I'm proud of both of my kids. But she's a nurse manager and whatever. But I raised both of my kids to be leaders, not followers. You can't make a leader a follower no more you make a follower a leader. And, you know, I want everybody to do this business, but everybody's not going to do it. You know, they, they tell people, okay, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to get rich. If you're not the kind of person that's a self-starter, you want more out of life, 
you're willing to do what it takes work to get it. You know, you hear about people buying these courses for get rich quick real estate, anything. Then they want to sue because they do it and they didn't get rich. Well, those same people, if, if you wasn't putting out effort on whatever you're doing before, what makes you think you're going to buy a course and read it and do it. And all of a sudden you're going to get rich. It don't work like that. Wow. That was a lot. From, that was the last two minutes. Anybody who's listening, that was a lot. The last two minutes, that was, uh, he, you, you basically hit the nail on the hammer, the hammer on the nail. Well, <laughs> it's just, it ta- I mean, and I'm going to tell you this too, George, and cause you've got it. I got it. You can tell when people got it when they want more. I mean, it's like a curse. I tell people when I worked at the university in maintenance, I'd work my eight hours and I'd go work at night. Well, a lot of them guys would go home, prop their feet up. And these days that I, I wished I could just do that, but I wanted something, you know, I didn't have nothing growing up. My wife and I, like I said, we were married seven years before we ever had children because we wanted to get her through college, put her through college. She was a school teacher for 25 years. We wanted a house. We wanted things, but you know, I knew nobody was going to give them to me. So I had to figure out what right. I had to do to get them. And it, but it's, you know, I, I was talking with a young man and, and, uh, I think it was Maryland the other day. And he was saying, well, houses right. was cheaper then. It was easier then. No, dude, houses was cheaper, but we wasn't making no money either. The most money I right. ever made an hour before I left the university was $8 and something an hour. And I was a master craftsman, carpenter at the university. Wow. But you know, I left there and was selling real estate and building. I looked around there one month and I said, man, I done made as much this month as I'd have made the whole year working at the university. You know. Oh man, I'm telling you, that's and that's what happened to me because I told you I was at the post office and I know I did something a lot of people wouldn't do. I left it, but I mean I was doing flips and you know I would have to work a whole year just to make the money I made sure. a flip. And it's like I'm I just had a son, so it's like I'm not with my son. It's like it's a lot to it, you know, but um. Like I can't. I talk to everybody and I try to get everybody to do it. But like you said, everybody not. It's not going to be everybody. It's the people that want to listen to your podcast. That's wanting to learn things. They want to learn secrets to how to run a business, how to how to flip a house, whatever. They've got a hunger to learn. You know, I used to when I was doing it because you know buying nothing down was big when I started, and I'd buy every book, every course. Because I figured if I learned one thing, it was worth the money I spent. And, and I'd be trying right. to tell people. I mean, everybody I see, it was almost like, I don't want to sound sacrilegious like I'm a Christian, but it's almost like I was trying to spread the word of, I call it the miracle of real estate. What did it do for you? And folks, oh, you can't do that. And I'm thinking. Did you write that? Did you did you write that book? No, man. Miracle. <laughs> Oh my God! It sounds like a book, The Miracle of Real Estate. Well, That's all right, book, man, right I may won't get with you. I got an idea for a book, so hey. But you know, here's the thing: yeah. you can tell people, and, and you'll get so tired of trying to tell them. It, it's just like if you're spreading the word of Christianity. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, you're just beating your head against the wall. Well, it's the same way when you're trying to talk to somebody about trying to tell them how good life can be. Some people. Like when you left the post office, you probably had guys there and ladies. I don't want to be gender there, but people 
that want to see you fail, not being mean for you to fail, but it reassured them they were doing the right thing, staying where they were. Right. Yeah. Like I, I like I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, that was a bad decision," all that. But my I'm a self starter, and it's like I can't. I'll be at work, and I'm thinking about my business and real estate the whole time, so I'm making mistakes, you know. Well, George, here's yeah. what I realized when I when I gave up. I told my wife. I said, honey, I'm going to leave the university and do this full time. I was selling real estate part time enough that I was making equal to what I was making. Plus, I was flipping houses and, you know, doing just doing whatever it took. And I said, I know I make a living at this. She was supportive. You know, I believe you had to have a mate that's supportive. But, you know, my whole thinking was this, George, just like you, you gave up a good job. Yeah, benefits. But you can't eat them benefits. You know, you're only going to make so much money. My fear, the only fear I guess I have, people, you say, what are you afraid of? You know, I'm a pretty big old fella. I'm about six foot, but I'm 350 pounds. And when I was young, man, I was, I was a lot of man. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm right. saying, I wasn't afraid of them. But my fear in life was I didn't want to be a failure. That's my yeah, fear. That's when I tell fear. somebody. And I'll be transparent and tell it now. There was a time I wouldn't have told you my, my fear, but I didn't want to be a failure. Right. But, you know, when I left that university, I thought, well, it's like this. If I lose everything I got and I just get a house, a job, and a car, I got the same thing everybody else has got again. So go for it. Yeah. Dang. That's reassurance that I'm on the right track. But you got to have the plan. <laughs> but, you know, you can't just, yeah. you know, Say, hey, I'm going to quit my job and do this. You've got to have a plan. But, but you know, yeah. this business is really good right now, so it's ideal time to get started. But you be ready right. for when it does slow down, because like I was kind of got sidetracked earlier telling you about the recessions. You, I went and looked at what – do you know I remember when I first started selling real estate full-time, a 12 adjustable mortgage was the best mortgage we could get somebody, and people still buying wow. houses. They got to buy. They either going to rent or, or buy. Yes, it doesn't change. Right. Like I was telling you, you go tonight when we get through and you pull up and you look at the history of the interest rate since 1984. That's when I went in business full time. And you look how they've right. been. At one point, man, they got up to about 17%, like for commercial money, me buying houses. And don't get me wrong, folks, Gee. it ain't all been gravy. I went through some hard times in the late. 90s where and I sold off some rentals and stuff because I done got myself in the bind with new construction because I lost sight of staying diversified. I was just doing new speculative houses. I was letting my rentals slide. I was letting them remodeling. And all of a sudden, you know, interest rates determined everything. People wasn't buying houses and man, I didn't have other things and got my butt in the bind. But you know, you don't give up. You learn that they can take, you know, I always say people can take what you got, but they can't take what you know. What you know. All right. I, I had a quick question. I didn't want to forget. When you when you were building houses at the time, what was the time frame? I'm, I found the land. I'm going to start building to the day the house is complete. How long would it well, take? Well, we to were building a house that was about 1,800 and something square feet. Let me tell you how I did it. I would go in and buy the lots. I have not built what I would call a custom house since 1998. That's where you've got a piece of land. I go to your land. I build a house for you and you pay me. 
I would buy right. lots. I'd have my plans. We'd decorate them unless somebody bought it while it was under construction. Then they'd pick their colors. That was as close to, uh, you know, to a custom we'd custom. do. So, right. to answer your question, we would always allow, you know, 90 days we could knock it on out usually, but we'd allow for four months a lot of times because, you know, you might have one that you get under contract, so you're going to pull off this one and get this one going. But I would buy the lots. Right. I mean, we did it all. I mean, we didn't, uh, you know, we we marketed them. We said, you know, I had this lady that sells from me. We'd set up Sunday. She'd sell them. We'd have our, we'd stay. I, and it's kind of worked out good. I, I'll change the subject just a second because I answered the question, I think, 90 days. Was about four months right. usually what we did. To give you an example, too, before the Great Recession, I built and sold 25 quarter million dollar houses and t- right before it went to zero. Bank couldn't load much. Wow. And like I said, man, I just bought $1.4 million worth of lots. And I had to deal Dang. with the banks on it. And, and But we come yeah. out. I mean, you know, it actually got, well, it's another whole store down the road, but the banks are trying uh, to do your own sometimes, but now they didn't try to do it on the rental houses. That's another thing, you know, but they were going after people's paying the bills, not the ones that wasn't because they couldn't get no money from them. But you bow up right. to them. They don't expect that. Oh, uh, anyway, we come out. Okay. Okay. I got you. So, and how much money were you spending? I know you, you're buying a lot of lots at a time, but for, if you break it down to one lot, say I'm selling a house for 200,000. How much money would you want to spend on a well, lot? Back then, because you got to realize now, this was prior to two, prior to two thousand and eight. I've only built ten houses. Now, so I did okay. all my building well, up to right before the recession, except for about ten or twelve houses, which the recession they said was over in a year and six months, but the repercussions lasted longer than that. But that's why in two thousand fifteen, right. I said, you know, I turned sixty years old. I said, I just, I'm ready. I got enough rental houses. Life's good. I'm not going to be, you know, I love building. I mean, but I just didn't like pressures no more. I have people ask me now, I said, don't you miss building? I said, yeah, because it's all I ever want to do. But I go home, put my feet up in my recliner, and it'll pass. But but to answer your question, the lot price, we were paying, We when we first started building in this particular neighborhood, we built in there for eight years. I mean, uh, we built both first phase, second phase, and we was in the third phase. Uh, lots, the third, by the third phase, we were paying about 42000 a lot. When we started out, we were probably paying thirty two. But a house is... And you're selling the house? You're selling the house? We were selling the houses for like 230000 thousand dollars which what we were doing, okay. it was something a little different. And we were giving them all. Our market was empty nesters or people that baby boomers that wanted that last house that they'd never, or even older, my parents' generation age. We'd have them come in, man, they'd have a house paid for. They'd had the money. They wanted, a lot of them would pay cash. But they wanted it with right. all the bells and whistles. So even though the house is only 1,800 and some odd square feet, maybe 40-something, we're getting like a hundred and thirty dollars a square foot. I mean, we were making thirty something thousand dollars a house net. It was, I mean, it was like a gold mine. It was great. But then, yeah. wow, you know, the bottom falls out. But the thing about the rentals, right. they just keep on clicking. I go to bed tonight, it's still clicking. 
I tell folks, it's like a machine. You take care of them. You get your rents first month. You pay your bills. You do what you got to do next month. It'll start all over again. You know, I don't do right. stocks. I don't go buy stocks. People want to do that. That's fine. But, you know, if I get to worry about one of my houses, I can get in my truck and go ride and look at it, come back and lay back down and go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing about it. And what do you, what do, you do about insurance? Since you, if, where do you, your wife, you are you my wife. My, my wife is a retired school teacher, so she was on the Alabama Teachers Retirement. So our insurance is through them. But now my son, okay. he buys. He's uh, he's as you know, he's self-employed. Also, his wife uh, doesn't work. She, she works from their home. Uh, give you a quick rundown. During the recession, my daughter-in-law had just finished University of Alabama in interior design. Well, there were no jobs. Right. My son, we're not building, so, you know, we got to figure out something to him. So we opened up an interior and antique shop where just like flipping houses, we'd buy a piece of furniture, paint it up, do whatever. So we built a little business in four years. It was a good little business, and she ran that. But then when she was expecting her first child, she had to decide, okay, am I going to stay home or put the baby in daycare or whatever? So long story short, moving forward, he has two children and his wife, and he has to buy his insurance just like anybody else. You know, Blue Cross, Blue everybody. Shed, yeah, yeah. Cause that's one of the um, main factors when you work a job, and it's like, what you gonna do about benefits? It's like the biggest issue. Like some people I know work the job who can retire, but they like, I need, I need benefits, so I, I rather. Really you know working. what I see yeah. around here a lot, and I've had several friends that were realtors that are selling real estate or whatever. Or maybe their subcontractor right. building fences, whatever. They would get a job driving the school bus for the county, so they'd have insurance. They just do it a little while in the morning, wow. a little while in the evening. But then during the day, they were able to do what they loved. That's that makes sense because you only got to drive for a couple it. hours. I see it. <laughs> it's all about doing what you want to do and making it happen. Definitely. All right. All right. We had we had the final round. So last a few questions, quick questions. Okay, buddy. Favorite. Favorite real estate book? My favorite real estate book, this book you need to buy is called by a guy named Trammell Crow. It's called Master Builder. Master Builder. It's, uh, okay. He was a, he, he was a World War II era guy, but it was really interesting. I actually had two of them. I like the Art of the Deal and the Art of the Comeback by Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Art of the Deal. And I the Art of the Comeback. One was written in 19... 19- uh, 87, Donald Trump, when he went on to become a billionaire, and by 1997, he was busted a million in the hole, a billion in the hole, and he come back <laughs> wow. to be a billionaire again. So, But I learned one thing from that time. that you don't want to forget. I used to this day, I used to think, he, he was talking about it, if a deal was happening and he didn't get the deal, he felt like he was the loser. Sometimes you're the right. winner when that deal walks out the door. It don't feel like it because I. But a lot of times you're the winner because it's it, you know anyway. But those are two good books, three good books. Yeah, okay. If you could tell your 25 year old self some some life advice, what would it be? Oh, basically your followers on on Instagram that are looking. If you could give them one piece of advice, well, what would I wish you say? I had a little time to think about that. You know, I don't <laughs> have a lot of regrets because I have been chasing my dream. I think as long, I, I, okay, here's what I would tell them. 
don't stay on that job you don't love. You're, we all are selling our time every day. And it's what you accept for your time to pay. Do what you love. You know, those saying Henry Ford said, if you find work you love, you never work a day in your life. Go for what your passion wow. is. Try to do that. Even if you have to start out part-time, never give up on your dream and always chase it. Never, right. never, you know, Bing. you might lose the battle here and there, but don't lose the war. Don't let them beat you down. Right. Whoo. All right. Um, what are your hobbies outside of real estate? Well, people used to ask me, did I hunt or fish? I said, I, cause I worked so much when my kids were young trying to have something for them. I used to tell my, my Tim George Washington's, but, <laughs> <clears throat> but I play music. I love music. Oh, uh, I don't play okay. much anymore for about seven years. I traveled in a bluegrass gospel band from 2000, 2007, playing churches and going around. And, uh, I love music, even though I don't play now, but every now and then I tell folks they come to my house. I play, but I don't get out and travel. Uh, music, I would okay. say, I love music. I love, I love all kinds of music, though. I love just all kinds. But you know. right. Um, any any place special place you traveled recent that was interesting? Best place I traveled recently that you like. I mean, a, a, a good place to go. Okay, travel. well, if I give you a quick story, when I was working, when I was younger. And my, you know, we always do everything as a family when my kids were little. And I'd get these right. trips, you know, you'd be in a builder, you'd get a chance to go to Spain or the Bahamas. I never would take these trips because I'm working, 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 trying to have things for my family. And, you know, just thank you because you, you got that mentality from coming and being so poor. You, you've always in the back of your mind that, you know, you got to make hay where the sun shines. Well, then when I went through some <laughs> yeah. tough times in the late 90s, I said, buddy, from now on, if they say they're loading up and riding to a little town 20 miles from my house, I'm loading on that bus and going with them. So that being <laughs> said, we've traveled a lot of places through, you know, San Francisco, uh, Washington, D.C., Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, San Diego. Just a lot of it is tied to business you know being a builder and right. whatever trips that you you know you, you earned your points and whatever but uh, i love right. to travel and 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 also uh i love the beach for 13 years i had a a place on the coast in gulf shores alabama condo right on the beach and oh uh, i enjoyed that man i, I had for almost 13 years never spent a full week down there everybody else did i love to work I mean, you know, I I get as excited today when I buy a deal or make something happen as I did the very first one. And it's not greed, and it's it's just it's whatever that uh, you know. There's a drug that your body releases when things like that happen. Well, whatever it's called, right? Man, I like that feel, you yeah. know. Yeah, no, no, I get, I definitely get it. All right. Mr. Rick, let people know where they can find you at. He's, he's just made his Instagram people. So he, he got funny videos. You can learn and laugh at the same right. time. So give them your, your okay. It's Rick Jarman, real estate investing old school. Yeah. And it's real underscore estate underscore investing. 
that's how you find it. Buddy, I appreciate it. And I want you to stay in contact with me. I'd love to mentor you. I've got several people that I'm, you know, my wife, I made it. I told her the other day, I'm going to have to cut it back to about an hour. I get on here and talk with people for two hours because I love, (laughs) I love it. I love sharing. I love their excitement. So definitely you won't talk, buddy. You call me. We'll, we'll talk. Anything I can do to help you, let me know. All right. We'll keep in touch. Thank you so much, George. And God bless you. All right. All right. Same to you. All right. That was the New American Dream Podcast. Peace. What up, guys? Welcome to the New American Dream Podcast. I am your host, George Gibson. All right. Today, you're in for a special treat. This show is the show anybody can do it. Anybody can do this. Managing, managing, managing debt and create the lifestyle you would like to live. But before we get into this show today, I would like to bring along one of my clients. Just let him give you really um, what he did to save up to buy his home and how to start managing money to make investments in yourself. All right. Welcome to the show. Darius, come on real quick. Hey. All right, look. Yeah. Real quick. What are All right, I I realize a lot of people buy properties and buy uh other people buy boats and campers and stuff. And that's one of the main things between the middle class and the rich. People invest in liabilities instead of assets. So you just recently purchased a home. What are some of the things you did in order to get ready and get prepared to purchase a house? Well, First, I sat down and I thought about on a daily basis, what do I really need to survive? And everything else I tried to cut out, any subscriptions to like Apple Music, Amazon Prime, any dumb stuff that's eating up like 10 to $20 a month, I just cut out and I just tried to live off the basis for as long as I could until I was ready to buy a house. Correct. So anything that costs $10 more as a subscription, cut it out as a expense. Cut it out until you reach your goal. You can always get it later. All right. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Things you need to do to prepare to make big investment purchases. All right. All right. Today's show, we have a um, Tarian Bushrod. She's a uh, millennial coach and she knows about money and she's a real life example. So she break it down so everyday people can understand that. Even though you're teaching it, you went through it, and that's what made you able to teach it. So here we go. Sit back, relax, listen to the show.